Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Doing well. Uh, going great this week. Uh, it's good to be back in town. I know you're traveling this week. You're at ETS. Yes, uh, in, in Atlanta, downtown. Really, this is the first time I've ever spent a lot of time downtown in Atlanta, and it's kind of fun. It is. It's a great city uh, once you get downtown. It's, it's kind of a pain to move around. That's what I understand. In the downtown area, it's not too bad, you know, if you're on foot and stuff then. Yes, it's great. But we've been here since Tuesday. Uh, lots of meetings going on. Of course, a lot of papers being delivered, um, which actually can be more interesting than, uh, than it sounds. I went and I sat. In a, that. <laughs> yes. Yes. I went and sat in a session all morning yesterday uh, that was interacting with Wendell Berry and absolutely loved it. And then I've kind of dropped in where some of our students and professors are, are presenting. Dr. Aiken presented on Tuesday on Great Commission Families. It was fantastic. Um, lots of other, lots of other things going on. Yeah. Um, how many, how many presenters do you have from Southeastern? Oh goodness. We counted a few weeks ago. It's, it's, it's somewhere around 30 ish. Dr. Aiken, uh, some other vice presidents and uh, professors. We have some alumni that uh, have presented here. So then if you go even beyond and you hit alumni, I mean, we have some of those, but they put the name of the institution where they are working. So Mm -hmm. it it would get even beyond, you know, 30, 40, something like that. And then there are a number of auxiliary events that happen here. We hosted one on Tuesday night. Uh, There was also one after that for uh, Southern Baptist professors, about 175 people. Hosted uh, by Lifeway. Yes. Yes. B&H. sponsored that and uh, lots of other things going on. BNH also sponsored a, a conversation on Wednesday morning. Uh, Keith was a part of that, moderated a, a discussion with a few Southern Baptist professors. And it was just, it, it's, it's just been a great, uh, great, great time. And uh, there's a huge uh, Southern Baptist presence here. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask if it's fair to say that Southern Baptists kind of lead the way at ETS. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Probably when you look, certainly in quantity, uh, and then just in influence, I think I think that's probably a fair thing to say. Um, but there are also some other, you know, major presences here. Oh, of uh, course, Trinity, yeah, is, Trinity, Gordon Conwell, I'm guessing, right? Wheaton, others. Wheaton there are, yeah. yeah, a lot of people are here, and uh, and doing some some really great work, some really interesting work. Uh, there's also some very specific detailed work that I don't fully understand. <laughs> yes. I saw a couple of the uh, tweets about a few of those the other day. Um, one, I, I, and maybe, maybe you don't know much about this. Maybe you do. I, I did see that they had a guest lecturer come in making a case for homosexuality in the church. Yeah. David Gushy presented yesterday um, as a guest. So, and I don't know a lot about that. I wasn't in that session, um, but he was here. Certainly he's gone on record in, in, in his view of this. So if he's going to come and present on this topic, obviously we know where he's going to head. Yeah. And that kind of came to light a few months ago uh, with the right. PT stuff. Yeah. Now, again, I don't know a whole lot. I, don't, I really don't know anything about how that was planned and, and the context of the session that he was in. I will say that uh, knowing where we're headed as a culture um, and knowing that he came in as a guest uh, in some sense, I, part of me wonders, is it helpful for us to hear that and be forced to interact with it? Yeah. Because that's, that's where we're headed. We're going to yeah. be 
to interact. Well, opposing viewpoints should strengthen our own scholarship. So yeah, yeah. So I, I'll be interested to hear more um, about just how that how that went. I was not I was not in that. Well, speaking of seminaries, uh, some sad news out of Southern Seminary this past week. Uh, Maurice Henson, who was 84, senior professor of piano at the seminary, had taught for 58 years. Yeah. Passed away November 11th, that's last week, uh, after a battle with cancer. Yeah, he was the longest serving faculty member in the history of Southern Seminary. So, uh, taught piano, and uh, that's 58 years. That's pretty incredible. So I remember uh, Dr. Henson, not well, he wasn't around a, a whole lot. The music school was in a separate building from where academic administration was. And so I didn't really see him a ton, but would kind of deal with things every now and then that involved Dr. Henson and um, just a great contribution as a church musician and uh, just known to be very excellent. The Baptist Press story uh, quotes one of the professors there, Esther Crookshank, who I have just tremendous respect for. And she said some beautiful things about Dr. Henson. So very, very sad. All right, moving on to some state convention recaps. So we, we did a lot of them last week, got a lot this week, and maybe even a couple more that'll be kind of um, staggering in after the Thanksgiving break. Uh, they'll be done by then, but we won't have reports. So starting out west and we'll move our way east. Just make that easy. That's easy. I like kind it. Of, kind of opposite of the uh, the sun. But uh, we'll start in Hawaii, probably the most desirous of the convention speaking spots uh, yes. when it comes to uh, guest speakers. Uh, Hawaii passed a budget of $3.1 million. It's uh, down from last year, 5.4%. Uh, they kept their CP forwarding receipts at 315 and elected the president of uh, the Hawaiian Baptist Convention for this next year will be the pastor of Engaged Church in Hilo, Hawaii. His name is John Endress. Regular news and regular, uh, you know, kind of a report from Hawaii. Uh, 247 messengers, 73 guests at their event a couple weeks ago. Very nice. Very nice. Um, all right, then let's keep moving uh, moving east now from Hawaii since that's the, the farthest west we can go. Uh, in Nevada, they met and reported that they are receiving income that's 13% above budget. Just fantastic uh, news coming out of Nevada. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So last year at their annual meeting, they increased their CP gifts from 35% to a 50-50 split. So, which, so Amy, you're telling yeah. me that they went from 35 to 50 and maybe not causative, but there's definitely a correlation here their CP receipts went up 13% after they announced that, hey, we're going to be sending more on. That That is correct. Now, as you said, we don't have a lot of data to look and say, why did this happen? Um, but, but it's it certainly, yeah, it happened. It's certainly worth noting uh, that, that this was, was going on. So kind of crazy. Um, I don't even think I caught last year that they jumped like that. I remember hearing about it. Um, yeah. You know, there were a couple of them that did that last year. Iowa being one, Nevada, and I think one of you. I think they, the Iowa one, because they had a new convention director, executive director. Okay. I think that that made a little bit more noise and news because they just he came in and said, "All right, we're doing this." Kind of, you know, he, he Tommy Greened it. I guess yeah. Tommy Green is Tim Lubinus in Florida. I guess. Okay. But uh, 
But the same kind of thing. They, they went from 35 to 50 last year. So yeah, they're going to keep that 50%, move 50% on just like they voted for last year. And uh, congratulations to the executive director, Kevin White and Nevada. Yeah. And one other thing of note is they, they passed a resolution. Um, they passed a few resolutions that one was affirming traditional marriage, but then they did one that also just encouraged prayer for the IMB, uh, for the president, staff, missionaries, trustees, everyone. But it also encouraged continued sacrificial giving through the cooperative program and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So this is obviously something that's a huge focus uh, of Nevada. And, you know, let it'll be great to see next year. Is, it, is the giving going to increase? Yeah. And one thing to note here as well, Nevada added 17 churches to its role this past year. 11 of those uh, were planted this year five they planted the year before. So uh, they are really pushing church planting in Nevada, a lot probably led by Vance Pittman and the team and what they're doing at at Hope Baptist Church. One other thing to note in the story, First Southern Baptist Church of Las Vegas closed in 2015, but Shadow Hills Baptist Church, one of the largest churches in the area, were able to take in and and use their assets and resources to, to plant other churches. So uh, while you know it's sad to see a church closing, it, it is nice to see that another church came in, used those resources, assets, and was able to plant other churches to reach that community in Las Vegas. Yeah, fantastic. All right, so moving on to Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming has uh, had, they basically had their first year under kind of a restructuring. So this is another thing that we're seeing in state conventions as uh, just as times change, as needs change, and then as we talk through all of these uh, shifts in funds. Uh, But last year, they dissolved eight associations and restructured with three regions uh, that were led by kind of state strategists. Yeah, and you had associations. They only have 106 churches in Wyoming. So the local associations would have only had about a dozen or so churches in them compared to three or four dozen, probably, you know, three dozen or so on average now with the regional uh, groupings instead of those eight associations. So, I mean, we, we've talked about it. We've got Southern associations, like local associations in the South that have more churches than the entire state of Wyoming. So right, right. For, for them to kind of split that up, it, it seems like it makes sense to, to put more resources into a, a bigger group of churches uh, because they're probably spread out, I'm guessing, just knowing Wyoming geography. Uh, it's, right. it's going to be right. spread out as well. So, Right. And they're also partnering with uh, NAM in some of this because the state strategists are actually employed by the North American Mission Board. So it even their, their budget was a lower budget um, for 2016 because their personnel costs are, yeah. are different from that too. So it's just very interesting to see uh, – how these shifts are happening and it it's good we have to we have to make these structural changes um, as things change around us all right moving further eastward to the bgct the baptist general convention of texas adopted a 35 million dollar budget they also elected new officers danny reeves as second vice president renee maciel as president and bedilu yergra as the first vice president now those are not your typical southern baptist names right there. Those last two, uh, Danny Reeves, you know, that's a regular name, but, uh, Renee Maciel is the president of the Baptist university, of the Americas and Bedulu Yirga is the pastor of the Ethiopian evangelical Baptist church of Dallas. So some diversity in the leadership in the BGCT. 
Yeah, that uh, very uh, that's very interesting. Where is the Baptist University of the Americas? It's in San Antonio, Amy. Okay, one and of it's my a, favorite cities in Texas, by the way. I love I love San Antonio. Next year's ETS is in San Antonio, so I'm very excited that huh. that we'll be there a year from now. Uh, it's an institution for training um, Hispanic leaders. So last week we talked about the SBTC and everything they're doing in Texas. This kind of just completes the the recap of the state. The BGC will continue to forward 21% on to the cooperative program as they have in recent years. All right, so let's move over to the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, starting in South Carolina, they met last week and uh, they, they were at uh, First Baptist Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Major focus of that meeting was on personal evangelism. In their business meeting, kind of the big thing we we had recently talked about this, about Augusta Heights Baptist Church of Greenville that was no longer part of the local association. In the business session, the, the um, SCBC had to vote to end fellowship with Augusta Heights Baptist yes, Church. They disaffiliated with him. Right. And that, that was, was unanimous. I don't think that was a surprise to anyone, but just, again, it's one of these things that we're going to continue to see pop up and, and have to have to deal with and say, what, what are we going to do? As far as their budget, the messengers voted to forward 41% onto the SBC. They've been at 59, 41 for a while. Yeah. Several uh, years since the yeah. GCR, actually, they just kind of frozen it right there. Yeah. But it does say they, they have something where they forward a portion directly to the IMB. So they have kind of a different formula they're working off of. Still no mention of an executive director from South Carolina. I'm uh, still waiting on that news. Uh, hope, hopefully that'll come out before the end of the year. It just seems to be kind of dragging on at this point. Um, still hoping that they're close to, to naming a, a new executive director, uh, but uh, they are one of the few who remain without an executive director. Yes. Um, I, I saw they had several guest speakers, by the way. I saw this in the story. Obviously, you know, Don Wilton, who's pastor yes. there, Frank Page, Ed Stetzer, but I got more excited to see that they had a video message from Dabo Sweeney. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes, your husband would appreciate that. Yes, we're having a good year in the Whitfield house right now. Yeah. Uh, for those of you not really in tune with college football, that's Clemson um, that Amy is referring to, number one in the nation right now. But give them time. Give them time, Amy. Hey, hey. Uh, you know it's coming. We'll, we'll so. talk again in January. Yes, we will. All after, right. the, after the peach bowl. Yes. Um, so uh, moving north now to North Carolina, yes. uh, your home state, uh, 1,500 messengers at the North Carolina Baptist Convention. Uh, great attendance there. The 2016 budget increases their allotment from 37 to 40%. Uh, moving on to the cooperative program, that budget is $29.5 million, uh, an increase from the $29 billion in 2015. So budget increased and forwarding on more to the Southern Baptist Executive Committee uh, through cooperative program giving. And, and you, uh, you guys reelected officers from 2015. Uh, did you go to the convention? I, I was there for a while. We had an event and then I was kind of around in the exhibit hall. I was not there as a messenger on the floor during business uh, at, at all, but I was there. Keith was there. A lot of folks from, from Southeastern and it was a happening place. Lots of, lots of energy, a lot of people walking around and the 1500 messengers, they're very active. 
All right, moving on to West Virginia. West Virginia has uh, a new executive director in Bill Hanard coming over from uh, Southern Seminary, where he'd been there for a while. And they passed a $2.5 million budget, a 4% increase from last year. And they will be forwarding on 40% of the CP receipts to the SBC. The remaining 60% will be used in West Virginia. West Virginia is one of those states where there's a lot of public welfare ministry. I, I would, I don't know how better to describe it. Uh, West Virginia, a state impacted by poverty, really mm-hmm. highly, especially in the the Appalachians. Uh, Kentucky has a, a big emphasis. I know in in eastern Kentucky on that as well. Uh, yes. So uh, there's a a lot of ministry that goes on in West Virginia. Sometimes it get kind of overlooked uh, in the eastern states uh, just because of their size and location. But uh, a lot of ministry going on in West Virginia, and uh, excited to see what Bill Hennard and his team will do over the next few years as he takes over as the executive director in West Virginia. Yes, fantastic. All right, and uh, finally, uh, let's move back Louisiana. Yeah, my home state. Yes, yeah, Louisiana. So their their president, the convention president, Steve Horn, basically laid out a pledge for churches uh, to increase cooperative program giving. He's making that as sort of a pastor-driven initiative and it challenged churches at, that were less than 3% to move to 5, churches at 3 um, to 8% to increase by 2, uh, and then churches between 8 and 9.9 to go to 10%. Yeah, so they called the churches uh, to, to give more. We're seeing that a lot. Uh, they also voted to keep their sending on to the CP the same at 36.74%. All right, they also affirmed um, seven resolutions things on, you know, defunding of Planned Parenthood, which we actually saw that in other states too. There were other states that, that supported that, um, affirming religious liberty, praying for revival and spiritual awakening, calling for uh, protection of children from pornography. And then one that was very kind of specific, just declaring their disagreement with uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. So some kind of an appreciation, celebrating the anniversary of the cooperative program, and then some really dealing with the, the major social issues of our day and just speaking clearly on them. You mentioned the Supreme Court. Uh, speaking of politics and the SBC's kind of role in that, uh, the Kentucky Baptist Convention uh, did something that I, I'm not sure I've seen another state convention do Uh, They have placed a lobbyist, a chaplain, and a journalist in Frankfort, Kentucky uh, in an effort to, I guess, gain more influence and more information in what's going on in the state's politics. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I mean, they they basically are building kind of a legislative strategy, um, which I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think that's a really good thing. Not engaging, it's not lobbyists um, as far as the the chaplain but just someone to be kind of a pastor to elected officials, state employees, people who are working at the Capitol. And then you have this other, uh, other person who is representing as a lobbyist to just help work for uh, the interests of, of Kentucky Baptists, of people of faith. And so we have these people who are, are qualified for this, have the ability to interact. Kentucky Baptists have basically just said, Hey, let's let's find a way to work to get to kind of represent our interests and see what we can do, how we can can help. Been a lot of talk recently about the new governor 
who was uh, voted on and, and elected in Kentucky and uh, his ties to Baptist. So uh, this will strengthen those ties, I'm guessing. And uh, Herschel York, I know, has has really good ties in the Frankfurt area as he pastors up there. Uh, he's a professor at Southern Seminary and and uh, this kind of strengthening the ties of the Kentucky Baptist uh, Convention and the Kentucky government. So visionary leadership there from Paul Chitwood and the KBC. All right, moving on, something uh, a little bit more entity-related. Uh, Lifeway, the Baptist Press article on the Lifeway reopened search for new headquarters. Maybe, yeah, why don't you talk about this? Maybe a bit misleading. Um, not, not misleading in, in the fact that they're wrong or the fact that we're, we're not really reopening the search. We, we have... We had a property, piece of property that we talked about here on the podcast, even uh, that we had an yeah. option on down by the river, and we have found other pieces of property in the meantime in the Nashville area, the immediate, like right where we are in the area that we are currently are. Uh, there's been some other options that have come up, so we basically, uh, Dr. Rayner even said in the in the the article there that we still anticipate closing on the sale of our property. Uh, we also have found other places that and have concluded that the the property on the river is not the best for what we need for the future. So uh, we've just found other properties. Uh, so we're, we haven't really reopened the search. The search never really got shut or closed. Okay. Um, we just kind of ruled out that property that we had an option on as a possibility. Well, at this stage, you know, Nashville being what it has become, uh, the options seem to be endless right now. Yes, there were, and the thing was, these two options that we other we also have right now, they weren't available six months ago when we were looking at this. So, as as this sale has uh, has moved from you know a quick thing that was going to happen in the summer to something that's been you know a little bit more protracted, and, and now it looks like it's going to close either this week or next. You know, we've had other options. You know, six months in Nashville, things change a lot. So. We've yes, had, we've had a lot of options come available over the last six to eight months, and uh, we found just better options that are better for life with future. So, well, that's um, great. I'm I'm sure, uh, and I'm sure maybe even it, more things will be possible. Every time I come home, I feel like I come to a different city. Yeah. Well, we were talking about it the other day. We were texting back and forth about this, and and I, I told you that you're going to come to Nashville in five years and not recognize the city, and you you basically grew up here. So um, it's going to be so different and it, it, it's already different from whenever I came and I've only been here four years. So uh, it's, it's amazing that the changes that are going on here. Well, it's nothing like it was when I was a kid, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's actual commerce and, and, uh, and a live feeling in this, in the city. Here. Hey, 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 there was some good stuff when I was a kid, but it's interesting because the last time I was there, I saw a ton of books are being published about um, they're kind of this nostalgia industry about old Nashville and books about all these old businesses that people remember that are no longer there because I think there are a lot of people like me that it feels like a totally different place and just kind of remembering um, what is home to us. Uh, but it's, it, but what it's becoming is also really amazing as well. Just fantastic culture there. So, right. yeah. So, good luck it, to you guys. Yeah, Nashville's a great town, and it's uh, it's great to be here and great to be a part of what's going on here. So, uh, other news, not really Southern Baptist related, but will definitely impact Southern Baptist. I'm guessing uh, the completion of the Ark theme park expected in July of 2016. You've been tracking it all with this. Um, a little bit, yes. Well, I, I just there was a few nuggets in this story from Baptist Press or 
And I, I just thought I'd throw these out there. Project is a $102 million project. Remember, they, they are still uh, in court over the tax incentive program that right. would basically give them about $25 million back in tax rebates uh, and tax incentives. Uh, but uh, still, that's still out there. We'll see what happens. Uh, the tickets, though, going on sale first of uh, the new year, January 19th, 2016. $40 for adults, $28 for children, $31 for seniors, and $10 for parking. Is it just me, or does that seem a bit steep to go and see an ARC? Is that, is that... Well, I guess it depends on what's in there. I mean, that doesn't come close to what you pay for a ticket to uh, some theme parks. Well, Dollywood, uh, you know, the, a comparable local place. Is about fifty to eighty dollars a person. Okay. Um, depending on, I guess, season and depending on you know what what yeah. kind of discounts you can find, but you can get tickets to Dollywood for about fifty dollars. Right. You know, on average. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, what's what is in there? Is it? Um, I mean, obviously, there's going to be animals in there, but maybe it is worth that that ticket price. We'll see. I'm intrigued because it's open. What. It's open for forty days and forty nights during its first month and a half of operation, which kind of made me laugh. I, thought that was oh, I, I love that idea. That's brilliant. Um, yeah. I, I guess it will still be open during the day after that. I'm hoping, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, Hey, Ken Ham, if you want us to come up there and, and promote it on the podcast, just send us some tickets. We'll bring the, the kids up. Um, I've got four kids that would love it. I'm sure. And a well, wife that works at a church that yeah. can publicize it for you. It says it's going to be the largest timber frame building in the world. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, that will, that in itself will be pretty outstanding. 510 feet long. Uh, you know, that's going to be homeschool and Christian school field trip mandatory everywhere for any, you know, school in Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm sure that's really, really fascinating. So, uh, I will be intrigued to see when it all opens and, I'm sure they'll put a lot of pictures, videos, things like that. So I'll, I'll be interested. Yeah. Wish them the best on the opening of that. So I know they've, they've dealt with a lot of uh, public pushback and, uh, you know, sentiment against them. So it, it, it'll be nice to see whenever that thing's all finished and uh, uh, we wish them the best in that. So also one other little news item of note, uh, First Baptist Church in Fountain Hills, Arizona, opening up a disc golf course. This just kind of, I just saw this earlier this week. Um, you guys just opened up a disc golf course at Southeastern. That's uh, correct. Church is opening up a disc golf course. It's disc golf's been around for a while, 15, 20 years. It, mm -hmm. uh, it seems like the popularity never really kind of pushes through that glass ceiling that it has on it, but, uh, it's still a, a fun time and, you know, an, an easy thing for churches to do. If you have land, it's a very low cost, uh, thing to implement in your uh, area. And, you know, churches in Arizona, get outside, enjoy the outdoors, and uh, disc golf is an easy way to do that. So, have yeah. you had a chance to play at the, uh, the one at Southeastern? Um, I have not yet, but a lot of uh, friends and, and people we know have, have done it and really enjoy it. Um, these are interesting things and ways to kind of reach out to the community as well. There was a really small church in the area in Virginia where we were at one time that made, um, took their, area, their land and made a paintball course. Oh, wow. Um, which then a lot of people that lived in the area and it didn't, what they did, it didn't cost that much. A lot of people in the area wanted to use it. So it was kind of their, one of their opportunities to connect with the community around them. Disc golf is a 
a pretty easy thing to set up. Doesn't take a lot. Yeah. Very low um, key, very low maintenance kind of thing. Right. Right. And then allows you to, you've got something that people can use as outreach opportunity to spend time with people playing and then others might be interested. So uh, that's, it's pretty neat. This church doing this. All right. Final piece of news this week is from Lifeway Research. Uh, next week's Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, Amy. Happy Thanksgiving yeah. to you. We will not be doing a podcast next week. We're going to take the week off because we're both, I think, traveling and yes. be all over the place. And, and besides, there probably won't be, I say there won't be much news next week and something crazy is going to happen on Monday. You watch. I'll just record something in my phone and post it up later. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, some news from Lifeway Research. Uh, we, we've been highlighting some of their research and uh, 56% of Americans I uh, feel like Thanksgiving, the most important part of Thanksgiving is being thankful to God for my blessings. 39% feel it's for uh, time with family and friends. And 5% feel like it's for watching football, eating, shopping, or other things. Uh, I could go along with all three of those, honestly. I mean, I do all three of those. Yeah, and that's actually really good to see because I, I, certainly the retail industry through their marketing wants to tell us that more than 5% of people think it's other things they want to, yeah. you know, it's, it's all about um, shopping. And, you know, this tells us that really actually people think it's about being thankful. That's the most important That's good because it's kind of in the name of the holiday. Right, right. And I just want to say kudos to Lifeway Research for the graphics that I've been seeing lately. That turkey uh, is hilarious. I love it. I just love it. And this is not the first time. I mean, we saw the, in the, the pumpkins. pumpkins. Yes. And so I think that's just fantastic. All right. Well, Amy, that brings us to the end of our news. That means it's time for this week in SBC history. Blow our minds. All right. We're going to go back to 1954. And uh, this was just a kind of interesting little nugget, which I haven't been able to confirm, but I'm just going to run with it because at the time they believed We're this. Bad, just, just run with it. Yeah, it's I'm just okay. going to run with it. So this was this week. Uh, it was reported that six businessmen in First Baptist uh, at the at First Baptist Church, Albuquerque, New Mexico, came together and decided they were going to pay for uh, the complete televising of their church's eleven o'clock service on Sunday. Huh. And so the television station there that's going to run it said, uh, we think this is the first time in the history of television for a single church to initiate regular weekly telecasts of its entire service. And I, I just, it was this tiny little blurb in Baptist Press, not even a full story. And uh, so I was intrigued by that, started looking around, and I really can't find anything. I, I can find that in like 1952, there was a televangelist, can't remember his name, that started a program, but that was a televangelist program. No, it wasn't Kenneth Copeland. Um, there were a couple of times that some other churches did portions, but I can't track anything before this where a church did their entire service every Sunday wow. um, before this time. So I think it's, it's possible that could be correct. So uh, now, I mean, you see that everywhere, and you see a, a, certainly a lot of churches that are not um, Southern Baptist churches, but a ton that are. I mean, everywhere I've lived, at least one of our local stations and usually all three is, is hitting with someone uh, that, and then even on national level, I mean, Charles Stanley, first Baptist Atlanta, um, things like that. Our church in Louisville televised every week. Yeah. And well, is that, was that Highview? 
No, ninth and O. Okay, actually. ninth and O. Well, yeah. it's funny. I, I texted Kevin Smith this a few. Uh, I think it was last year when I was in Louisville. Got to Louisville. Mm-hmm. Sat down in my hotel room. It was like twelve o'clock at night because we had had flight delays coming in and everything. Um, got in, threw my stuff down, flipped on a TV just to see what had happened. And I think there was some news thing I was going to try to find because something was going on in the news. Flipped on a TV. The first channel I switched to is Kevin Smith preaching at Highview. And I'm like, well, that's a way to welcome me to Louisville. You there know, you go. It's, it's literally after midnight. I'm exhausted. I was just trying to find one little quick thing. It might have been a yeah. sports thing. It might have been something. Uh, but the first channel, you know, you flip on the TV, it's the hotel channel. The first thing yeah. I hit up, there's Kevin Smith welcoming me to Louisville. Yeah. Well, the way, the way churches use media now, I mean, some, the television ministries were huge uh, for decades. And then, of course, that's shifted because people will post things, post their services online. They'll have podcasts of sermons. Um, but most churches are using some form of media uh, to share what's going on with the outside world. Um, but it looks like maybe it all started this week in SBC history. Very cool. Thank you, Amy, for that. Uh, that'll move us on to our resources of the week. What do you have for us this week, Amy? All right. So I'm going to go uh, in a, a different direction just because I'm here at ETS and it's on, uh, on everybody's mind, sort of the more academic side of things. But we have a number of um, Baptist universities and our Southern Baptist seminaries that put out theological journals. And so I'm going to um, really just share a list. This was, was talked about at uh, the professor fellowship the other night. There are a number of theological journals. So I'm going to give you a list to put on um, the show notes in there so that you can just have the titles and things uh, and people can check those out. There are a lot of options from our great um, academics, professors that are working in Southern Baptist life. All right. Very cool. I'm going to also go with an academic book. It's called God's Kingdom Through God's Covenants, not really written by Southern Baptist, but uh, the Baptist theology that's well held up in this uh, is, is really cool. Uh, it's a book by Peter Gentry and Stephen Wellam. Uh, it's a biblical theology book, a little heady, uh, but very interesting, very, very good. Um, and I, I recommend it. It's a kind of a condensed version of a, another book that Gentry and Willem had written uh, back in the day. So fantastic! Um, I'm a big fan of both of those professors. Yeah, so. Kingdom, yeah, it's a it's a bridge version of Kingdom through Covenant. So a little bit more accessible at uh, just a few hundred pages, about under just under 300 pages as compared to the massive tome that Kingdom through Covenant is. So uh, pick it up, God's Kingdom through God's Covenants uh, by Gentry and Wellam. So, like we said, no podcast next week. We'll be back after the Thanksgiving break unless something crazy happens next week, which, knowing the SBC, that's entirely possible. So, let's all take a break, Southern Baptists. Let's yes. not be crazy. Yeah. Go eat some turkey. Not be <laughs> crazy. Um, and just, uh, just have a good time. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Amy. I hope you and Keith have a great one. And uh, we will see you uh, in two weeks, I guess. All right. See you in two weeks.